go rebuild my church, which as you can see, is falling into ruins. These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 AD. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Welcome to our radio program called Go Rebuild My Church. My name is Peter Doan, and along with my wife Leslie, we're excited to be with you today as we explore ways to put into practice the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus, Go Rebuild My Church and how this theme is relevant to the church today. Leslie and I have recently launched a lay apostolate called Encounter Jesus Discipleship Ministries. You can learn more about us and our passion for renewal in the Catholic Church by visiting our website at www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org. Our passion for renewal was ignited when we came home to the Catholic Church 12 years ago, and that is when we heard the call to rebuild and joined efforts with many other renewal movements within the church. And hopefully now, through the ministry of this radio program, we can provide pathways for you as individuals as well as parishes to join the rebuilding process and experience renewal. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, we're presenting a series on the Great Commission, which is also called the Mission Statement for the Church. And we've been learning that the Great Commission involves two key components, that's evangelization and discipleship. These things are vitally connected like the two lungs of a healthy, breathing, alive, individual Catholic Christian and a Catholic parish. We've looked at many aspects of evangelization and now our focus is on making disciples and what it looks like when individuals and parish ministries take seriously the Great Commission. Six weeks ago, we introduced to our listening audience the seven pillars of Catholic discipleship. Peter, for the benefit of our new listeners, could you take a moment to present the seven pillars again? Yeah, thanks, Les. I think we've really enjoyed getting into this and that we were learning along the way, aren't we? Absolutely. As it always is, as you get into things and study things, you become a learner yourself. So as Leslie mentioned, we have identified what we're calling seven pillars of Catholic discipleship. The first one we've said is encounter and re-encounter Jesus Christ. Second, study and learn the sacred scripture. Third, develop a consistent life of prayer. Fourth, receive the sacraments of penance and Eucharist regularly. Fifth, discover, develop, and deploy your spiritual gifts. Sixth, what we're going to be talking about today, conduct spiritual warfare. Finally, seven, go and share your faith. Now, we've seen, Leslie, when we uh, look at these seven pillars of Catholic discipleship, and when they're practiced, a discipleship culture, we've talked about that, begins to take root, and it becomes a key to rebuilding and renewing the church for individuals, families, parishes, and even the church at large. And as we previously have emphasized and stated, it begins with pillar number one. I don't think we can emphasize that enough, and that's a deep and decisive personal encounter, and sometimes, like it's been in our lives, a re-encounter with the living Jesus Christ. This is where we experience renewal, and we move from being a cultural Catholic to an intentional disciple who is sharing daily in the life of God himself. 
I think it's important to note, too, that a lot of Catholic ministries are emphasizing discipleship right now, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, exactly. And last week, we had a great interview with Tom Ponchak, who's leading a new ministry here in central Indiana, and that is a ministry that's helping to equip disciples. It's called the School of Encounter Ministry. We interviewed Tom as part of our fifth pillar, which is to discover, develop, and deploy our spiritual gifts. So be sure, if you weren't able to join us last week to catch the podcast, and you'll learn a lot about this great new ministry that's starting in central Indiana. So Peter, could you highlight a few of the things maybe that Tom brought to us about uh, developing our spiritual gifts? Yeah, I think it would be good because that dovetailed off what we began two weeks ago. Uh, The school of ministry that Tom is leading, one of the main things that they do that he brought up to us last week was that they help people to become to realize they have gifts, number one, and then how to release them, that is their charisms. Two weeks ago, Leslie, we spent a lot of time introducing to our audience that every Catholic Christian is endowed with the Holy, by the Holy Spirit with these gifts. The Greek word, remember, is charism that are given to us by God, and they're to be used to serve the Lord, serve the church, and even serve the world. And I think it's review. I think it's going to be good to just review a couple key points because for a lot of our listeners, the concept of being a gifted person with a charism might be a new idea. So we first of all looked at a key set of scriptures in the book of First Peter, chapter four, and in uh, in that scripture, Peter says this: that as each one of us has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. A couple things about that. First of all, Peter said each one. It's not just the clergy or religious or uh, leaders uh, in lay ministry, but it's all of us, Leslie, that have received one of these gifts. And the second word is the word gift itself is the word charism, which means a gracious gift. It implies it's given graciously by some giver. We know that that is uh, the Holy Spirit that distributes that. Thirdly, in that verse, Peter points out that we're to use that gift in in serving others and that word serving in the greek is very interesting it's called a present participle leslie and that means that we're to continually use it you know not just once in a while or not just once every 18 months but to continually to use those gifts from the catechism we also looked at a couple important things that uh again opened up this idea of having charisms and we mentioned that the catechism teaches us that the charisms are graces of the Holy Spirit, which directly or indirectly benefit the church. So in our program where we're trying to bring this idea of rebuilding and renewal, gifting and understanding gifting is going to help this process. Also, the catechism says that these gifts are wonderfully rich for apostolic vitality. Remember we talked about that, that to bring apostolic vitality, these gifts when they're released bring kind of a kind of a up up in excitement and joyful sense and atmosphere when they're released. And then finally, the catechism says that the the charisms have responsibilities both for the one who has the gift to use it, but also the pastoral ministries kind of um, work with the person to make sure that these gifts are used in, uh, in a way that benefits the parish. 
Um, so, uh, oh, I know uh, we also wanted to mention about Sherry Waddell that pointed out that when she does her workshop on called and gifted, that she's identified 27 different places where this word charism is used. And that is a lot of gifting. And it really is a challenge to go in and kind of as miners to mine in our own hearts and our own lives just to see where that might fit in each one of our lives. And of course, last week we heard from Tom that the Encounter School of Ministry is actually putting this into action. Uh, They're helping people to discover their charisms and helping it to take root in the church. So if, if you're joining us today and you're a new listener, Peter, how do we know or discern our individual charisms? There's characteristics of charism that happen when they're released out of our hearts and out of our lives. First of all, charisms are long-term. For instance, if I have the gift of hospitality, that may even come up when I'm a 10-year-old with a lemonade stand, right? Okay? <laughs> that's, but, a, that's a good example. But that could, be, that, could, that could develop over the years by the time I'm in my later years that I'm serving on a whole level on a very broad way. Also, these charisms produce results above and beyond our natural abilities. It really is something that comes as a grace gifting, not just out of our DNA. Also, uh, the gifts are to be focused outward. That's a characteristic. And also, they're received from God. They're not chosen by us. And then also, when they work, there's an energy that's released, Leslie. Remember when Jesus did his miracles, there was, a, there was a joy that was released. It helps us find our place and our identity. We become fruitful and effective without undue struggles. And finally, there is uh, the charisms when they're released in a minority of times. In other words, it's not a switch that we turn on and off, but God is the one that releases the gifts through us. Okay, well, Peter, thank you for that summary. We're now going to take a short break, and when we return, we're going to share the sixth pillar of discipleship, which is conduct spiritual warfare. That's exciting. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. This is the home of 100% Catholic programming here in Central Indiana. Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to our radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. Today we are discussing the command given to all the followers of Jesus Christ to make disciples of all nations. We've been learning how Jesus is not only the model disciple maker, but also first, he models for us how to be a disciple. So, Peter, the sixth pillar of Catholic discipleship is to conduct spiritual warfare. Why is this an important pillar for Catholic discipleship? So, Les, as we've been talking about this, and I was thinking about it, and I think I was thinking that we've been back in the church for 12 years now, um, I find many times we as Catholics often can find ourselves being, so to speak, flat-footed when we talk about engaging the unseen war that happening that happens around us um i've i've thought about i've i'm not sure that i've ever heard a homily uh at mass that talks about spiritual warfare and how to deal with satan resisting demons how to wear your spiritual armor but if you think about it leslie when we start with the book of genesis there's a warfare going on right just right from the beginning with Adam and Eve and the serpent, and all the way through scriptures up until Revelation 20 when Satan is thrown in the lake of fire, there is a constant theme of warfare that goes on in the scriptures. And Peter, I've been 
I've been doing some reading of the saints, and many of the saints were deeply involved in spiritual warfare and had regular battles with mm-hmm. the evil one. Yeah, like one of our heroes, Catherine of Siena. Mm-hmm. When you read her biographies, it's all over the place. So today we're going to focus on dealing with our enemy, Satan. To encounter Jesus Christ, we're brought into a spiritual realm where we're called to deal with our enemies. Now, if you read James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10, it shows that we have three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Those are the classic enemies that have been laid out for us. And we're going to not focus on the world system today. We're not going to talk about the battle with our flesh, which we refer to as concupiscence. But we're going to talk about what it means to really wrestle and deal with Satan and his forces. Um, these three enemies are the totality of our warfare, Leslie, and they cause the church on earth to be called, you've heard this before, the church militant. That's how we were referred to as we still walk this life. For our Catholicism to renew, each of us, I believe, will have to volunteer to fight in God's army by identifying the enemy of our souls, becoming knowledgeable of the schemes. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6 that the enemy has schemes, okay, both for the church and for us, our families, individuals, etc. So we need to learn how to identify the enemy of our souls and become knowledgeable of those those schemes and then discover the spiritual weapons that Paul talks about that we have to use them and finally enter into the battle. I think this is a really important point that we need to make here today because when I think about being a disciple, I don't necessarily include how I need to volunteer to fight in God's army. I don't put those two things together. And also, oftentimes, I'm ignorant of my enemies. I haven't identified them. And I love that scripture where it says they are the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we need Mm -hmm. to resist them firm in our faith. So, Peter, where do we start to become an active member of the church militant. Okay, so I think there's two places that all of us can begin, no matter who we are. First of all, we can accept the reality of a personal, malicious, devil, evil one, who through his agents of fallen angels and demonic spirits are set on the destruction of our personal souls. But Peter, most people don't believe in a personal devil anymore. Well, unfortunately, and you, you know, you take these statistics with a grain of salt sometime, but in, in August of 2017, Kara out of Georgetown, the Catholic kind of uh, Gallup poll for Catholics, said that at this point, 17% of Catholics believe in a real personal devil, and the other 83% thought that it was symbolic of something. So um, Interesting. Yeah, so what we want to do, first of all, is to talk about that reality. And one of the great foundational scriptures that gets our attention about this wrestling match is in 1 Peter chapter 5, through verses 8 through 10. And I want to read that because the scripture really opens up some important things. St. Peter said, discipline yourselves, keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him steadfast in your faith for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering and after you've suffered a little while the god of all grace who's called you to his eternal glory in christ will himself restore support and strengthen and establish you now a couple things leslie that really stuck out to me in reading that scripture first of all keep alert 
Okay. In other words, we we kind of have to wake up to these things. St. Peter is telling us, and then also, he says that these the enemy prowls around looking for someone to devour. Okay. He doesn't want to just harass us. His his real desire is to de- devour families, devour individuals, devour parishes, and. Uh, to, he knows he can't put his hand on Jesus, but he wants to always put his hand on the people of God that love Jesus Christ himself. And St. Peter goes on to say, resist him. And we're going to talk about how do you resist evil forces today? Steadfast in your faith. And then isn't it interesting, a lot of times when we think of suffering, Leslie, we think about sickness and disease we think about heartache and or we think about being persecuted for the gospel but this is another aspect of suffering entering into that wrestling match saint peter said that you're going to suffer and part of the suffering is the fact that we're engaged as a church militant in this warfare so um i would sum up all of that in one word we need to learn how to resist Secondly, after we recognize the reality of this struggle in this unseen realm, we need to look to our master, Jesus Christ, that doesn't leave us as an orphan here, Leslie, but he was an example. As we read in the Gospels through his journey, he modeled for us how to deal with evil and how to deal with the evil one specifically. Well, we've talked about that before, and we've emphasized that before, that he is a model for us. So please stay with us now as we take another short break, and when we return, we're going to learn how to practically deal with Satan and his minions when they attack us by learning from Jesus' own example. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to today's broadcast. We are sharing today the sixth pillar of Catholic discipleship, conduct spiritual warfare. This is an exciting conversation. And in our last segment, we learned how each of us is a part of the church militant, and we're called to engage in spiritual warfare with unseen forces that seek to destroy us. In fact, you read the scripture, Peter, actually Satan wants to devour us. And we also learned that Jesus, again, is our example. He's our model on how to wage these battles. So Peter, talk to us a little bit about methods that Jesus used when he was dealing with evil. Okay, Leslie. So uh, in looking at this, uh, we need to look at, first of all, what the Lord has accomplished in this whole area for us, because we approach it in, as victorious because of Jesus Christ. We're not entering even the this discussion of thinking, oh boy, we need to kind of be afraid and back off because we're looking at it through the lens of what Jesus has accomplished for us. And let me mention a couple important details to that. First of all, it's critical to know that with the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord, he did to Satan and his forces he this. Number one, Satan's authority and power are now limited, and they're subordinate to the authority that is vested in Jesus. Christ now is the king of the earth. His kingdom is invisible, so therefore not everybody acknowledges that because this is an invisible realm. Satan's power, secondly, is restricted, listen to these words, restricted, limited, and temporal. 
What has happened briefly is this, Leslie. The power and authority of Satan has been dealt a fatal blow by our Lord Jesus Christ. The cross, the inc- or the incarnation, the cross, the resurrection, and the ascension, we call that the Paschal Mystery, Leslie, destroyed any power or authority that Satan had, adjo- had enjoyed previous to that Paschal Mystery that Jesus brought. But the... All of this did not annihilate him. He's not annihilated. That will come later when Jesus completes his work of redemption with the consummation of the kingdom. All things are going to be brought into captivity to our Lord. And the scripture says, one of my favorite scriptures is in Philippians. You remember it says, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And it mentions those in heaven, earth, and under the earth. Even the forces of darkness will bow the knee to the Lord Jesus. So that's number one, that we are on the side of victory through the Paschal Mystery. But secondly, Jesus also became an example for us on how to face temptation in our journey. And I really like what Pope Benedict said way back in 2013 when he, when he was commenting on the scriptures as we began the Lenten season. And he said this, Man is never wholly free from temptation. So that's something that we're, as part of that church militant, Leslie, temptation is going to be with us until we take our last breath, okay? But with patience and true humility, we become stronger than the enemy. I like that. We become stronger through patience and humility, working with our brothers and sisters and working in and through the Holy Spirit and the church. Then he went on to say the patience and humility required to defeat the enemy come by following Christ every day and from learning to build our life not outside of him as if he did not exist but in him and with him because he is the source of true life. Well, Peter, this is truly good news. It's assuring to to learn that Jesus has truly defeated the forces of evil. He has broken the power of sin and death through his paschal mystery, which is the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord. So thank you for reminding of this. But we also know, as Pope Benedict said, he's not been annihilated, and this is something that we're going to have to deal with. We're not going to be wholly free from temptation. So until the end of the time, when he does come to tempt us, Peter, what should we do? How should we act? So I, th- I think this last section that we're, we're talking about today is we want to really point out what Jesus did and how he dealt with evil himself. And uh, this is really important, I think, for a Catholic disciple that we drill down on the experience of the Lord in the wilderness because he went into temptation so we too could learn from him when the enemy comes at us. So when he went into the wilderness, Leslie, we learned exactly what the enemy's schemes are, first of all, in the areas in which he attacks. He, atta- he attempted our Lord in three specific areas. The desires of the flesh, the world system, tempted him with the world system, and finally he attacked him, he, he asked him to worship him, the devil himself. Right, that's going back to that scripture, the three areas of battle, the flesh, the world, and the devil. Right, so abusing pleasures, lusting for power, loving wealth, and false worship were offered to the Lord, and these were the places where Satan's schemes operate in our lives as well. Jesus resisted the devil by applying the scriptures to each temptation. He said what? 
it is written every time. And he quoted scriptures from Deuteronomy 6, 7, and 8. This is the only language, and I want to really emphasize today in our discussion, this is the only language that the devil cannot undo. He cannot undo the scripture in our hearts and in our words to him, just like he couldn't with Jesus. Scripture is the language that strips him of his power in his enticements. If we approach him with human thoughts like saying, uh, he will undo us. If we take an approach towards the evil that says, you know, it's kind of like a pacifism. If you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. That never works and he'll crush us. I guess we can't underestimate the power of the scripture because the scripture is truth and it is God's word being spoken. And I think it's such an important point. We cannot resist temptation in our own human strength. We need more. So Peter, you were going to share with us a couple resources that help can help our listening audience right. we, battle the devil. We really want to equip people that are listening to this today, not to just to leave you, well, where do we go from here, Peter and Leslie? But I want to give you two great resources. Number one, the scripture itself. First and foremost, I encourage everybody to get in the scripture and memorize verses that represent our victory over, G over the enemy that Jesus Christ modeled for us that he used when he was tempted because as Pope Benedict said, we all are going to be tempted. Then secondly, I'd like to recommend this book that came out about five years ago. Uh, it's not really a book, it's a manual. It's called A Manual for Spiritual Warfare by Paul Thigpen. Interestingly enough, I know Paul Thigpen. We used to be evangelical ministers way back in the day, and uh, I had some interaction with Paul. It's published by Tan Publications, and it's a wonderful resource for scriptures, church teaching, example of the saints, hymns, devotions. It's a great wealth of content to respond to our challenge that we're putting out there today. Again, the name of it is A Manual for Spiritual Warfare by Paul Thigpen. So, Peter, you have an interesting testimony about a time when you were on a missions trip in India where you were attacked by um, someone who was putting curses on you. Can you share how you used scripture at that time to really resist those curses that were coming against yeah, you? Yes, so there was a Hindu priest that we were sharing the gospel with and came up to us and confronted us and put a curse on us. We didn't know that, but our interpreter told us that. So immediately after he told us that, we got together and we began to confess and pray in the scriptures. And I use, these are the four scriptures that God has given me when I engage this warfare. First of all, in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Secondly, the Son of God has appeared for us for this very reason, to destroy the works of the devil. That's 1 John 3, 8. Thirdly, in Colossians 2.15, Jesus Christ has disarmed principalities and powers. He's made a public display of them, and he has put them on display. And finally, we overcome the enemy by the uh, word of our testimony, by the blood of Christ, and by not loving our life even unto the death. And that's Revelation 12.11. Yes. So, Peter, the sixth pillar of discipleship, discipleship is a key to rebuilding and renewing the catholic church and it is truly spiritual brick and mortar next week we're going to present the seventh and final pillar for becoming a catholic disciple which is go and share your faith thanks for joining us today everyone as we seek to connect individuals parishes to the great commission to hear our past programs go to catholicradioindy.org 
and press the big blue button in the top left corner of the webpage. And make sure to become a regular listener of Catholic Radio Indy. Goodbye, everyone, and keep the faith. You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. Podcasts of this program are available at www.catholicradioindy.org.